The first reading is from Jeremiah 33, 14 through 16. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name of by which it will be called, the Lord our righteous Savior. Today's reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verses 25 through 36. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. And on the earth, distresses among the nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and the foreboding of what is, to, what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourself and know that summer is already near. And so when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down by the dissipation and drunkenness and worries of this life, and that the day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of God for the people of God. In those days there will be signs and wonders. In those days the sky will turn black. In those days there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the sky and the stars. In those days the oceans and rivers will tell tales. In those days the people will faint and fear out of what is coming. In those days you will see things like going for a fake punt on 4th and 11 with too much time left on the clock. In those days... To come, Kirby Smart might actually beat Nick Saban in those days, indeed. There's no better way to understand the tension of Advent, the already and the not yet, than coming out of halftime with a scoring drive to double the lead and watching it all slip away for the hope of next year, or at least the selection committee. The counseling session's over now. I don't feel better, but now that you're sharing my pain, we're all in this together. And we can move on to what those days really mean. Because the reality of the scripture this morning points us to that message that we find ourselves in as citizens of this world. That we're stuck. 
that Jesus gives us this apocalyptic end-of-the-world vision, and there must be a reason why we are reading it on the first Sunday of Advent when our sanctuary has been adorned with the decorations of the not yet. And when we hear that there will be signs from Jesus, we tend to default to the way in which we hear them talked about in a negative way, apocalyptic, crazy, and wide-eyed. And if this passage is about those crazy things that we read about or are sensationalized, then I'm not interested in it because we all live with enough uncertainty and to focus on what the signs will be at the end times produces more nervous energy than I know what to do with. But if the signs and this scene tells us a different story, then I'm all in. Because I think what Jesus is trying to do is call us back to the beginning. In those days, in the beginning, when nothing existed but chaos, and chaos spread over the waters, God spoke and held the chaos back and created dry land in the midst of waters and instability. This world began in chaos until God said, no more. And maybe that's what Jesus is reminding us of, not that the signs are in control, but that God is. And when Jesus talks about signs, it's not pointing to the end of time with the apocalyptic oddities, but into the ordinary reality that life wears you out. And the people of God try to combat that wearing out by observing the law. God's people, the Jewish people, observed the Torah in order to be a sign of hope for the world. And they became worn out. And the Gentiles, those outside the Jewish faith, were worn out. And so they tried, and we try to live into this order to disrupt the chaos of the life. Jesus is not talking about craziness or newness, but he is saying that this world needs us to follow a different pattern in order to have signs of light and life. And Jesus says the powers of the heavens will be shaken. It's very tempting to look at this and think of it as our modern-day heavens of zodiac signs or palm readers or reading tea leaves or tarot cards, but the stars and the planets and the wonders in Jesus' time reminded that there is a season and a force beyond our control because we can't prevent winter or rain any more than we can change the reality of the world. But God can. And in this scene, as in many others, the heavens And the powers there within mean more than just the end of times. But that power of the heavens captures something deeper than us than we can ever imagine. The powers of a tide, the powers of the ocean, of the waves, the powers of distant stars providing light in the midst of dark. But for the people who heard Jesus' words... And remembered Jesus' words and were scared or threatened or confused by Jesus' words. They had a power working against them that dominated everything that they knew. 
the Jewish people, the Gentile people at that time, were working against the Roman Empire. Because the Roman Empire had been driving the civilized world as it fit for centuries, and it had become a force of nature greater than itself. And the Roman provinces, the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, guaranteed that as a citizen you were guaranteed a stable and prosperous life. But the further and further you got out from the home country, the more and more corrupt it became, and it meant something different. Because you were exploited, you were extracted. The provinces were mined for their resources, not just from the earth, but from the people itself. That's why tax collectors were so hated, because they represented the Roman Empire. It's why Herod was seen by most people as nothing more than a figurehead, because he oppressed his people. Why Pilate was seen as nothing more than an oppressor who was put in there to keep the order in a brutal and remorseless fashion. In those days, that's just the way it was. But in those days, the powers will be shaken. In those days, as Jeremiah reminds us, because all of a sudden, when we read Jeremiah in light of those days, he reminds us that in those days, which are surely coming, says the Lord, I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and to Judah. I will cause a righteous branch to spring up from David, who shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness in those days. And all of a sudden, it takes on a different meaning. It means that we are stuck, but we're stuck with God's promise. It means that we are stuck trying to figure out plans and promises to family during the holiday season to travel but it means that we are stuck with God's promises. It means that we are stuck living out our calling as followers of Christ in a world that tells us we must live differently by a different standard than the one that God calls us to. And we're stuck and we need help, but we are stuck with God's promises. And Jeremiah offers us that reminder. For God's people in Jeremiah's story, the worst has not yet happened but it is inevitable. The people will be led away. Jeremiah himself will be put under rule of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And a reasonable person can see that the city of Jerusalem is doomed, and yet Jeremiah offers this small glimpse of hope in the midst of trial and turmoil, because in those days, God will keep God's promises. As the people are then led away into exile, began the promise of a ruler, of a king that the people hoped for, of David. For 400 years, the descendants of David occupied the throne, and now there's nothing. And Jeremiah says, from the branch of David's tree shall spring up new life in those days. Because the days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel, that a branch will sprout in those days. So what do we do with words that confront us, that shake us, that scare us? I think we're left with two final questions that I'll leave you with today. One a question and an answer, and one, 
that you have to answer for yourself. And the first question is this. Why in the world would we be reading these words from Jesus in Luke's gospel and these words from Jeremiah in the midst of this holiday season? And the answer is because we are stuck with God's promises. Because we need more of God and less of the world. And we need more of God's coming peace and shalom than we need of the rule of the world. And we need more of God's kingdom and less of the Roman Empire. But here's the question that you have to answer. Do you feel stuck? Do you feel trapped by this world, by the forces beyond your control? Are you stuck waiting for those days in which the world might be made right in those days? If so, we have 23 days to get ready. Because then we will read another passage from Luke's gospel that starts out, in those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all should be taxed and report to their hometown. And Joseph, who was engaged to be married to a woman named Mary, was told that he should go to Bethlehem so that all may be registered. In those days, there is something better coming. In those days, there is hope and there is life. And if you feel stuck, cling to those days which have been. Hope in those days which are to come and know that we are stuck in God's promises. In those days, so we get ready. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In those days, we look ahead and we look back. But in these days of Advent, we look for hope. So as you go out into the world, get ready not as a threat, but as a promise that God is stuck with us because we are stuck with God's promises. And that is good news. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing into our arms. And may the love of God, the peace of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you. Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear.